Peter Reid, it is amazing to have you on 20 Questions With. Now, at the peak of your playing career in the mid-80s, <laughs> when you were winning awards and winning trophies, that was just before I started to get into football. 1985, when you won the league with Everton and Player of the Year, yeah. I was only five years old. So you kind of came into my consciousness as a manager. Yeah. And yeah. A, in fact, probably a player manager at Man City. Yeah. But more recently, I've sort of seen you out and about on, on Twitter. And we'll come to politics because I know that's a, a passion of yours a little bit later on. But can we start with football? Which did you enjoy more, playing or managing? Or was the perfect part of your career when you were doing both? Playing. Play to get pay, to get paid to 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 go out on the pitch, and if if it if it if I hadn't been a professional footballer, I'd have been playing on the parks. So to get paid and to play at the highest level is uh, from a, a kid who was brought up in Heighton, which is just outside Liverpool. I was born in Liverpool. Um, it's the ultimate heaven, heaven on earth. You can't describe it any better than that. And I, I had a lot of injuries as a player, but that's part and parcel of it. I wouldn't change a thing. I hated getting beat. Got beaten a couple of cup finals, which I still uh, think about and still have dreams about. And obviously chasing Diego Maradona before you got to the question that I have recurring nightmares about that. But besides that, <laughs> football... Is the ultimate to me. It's been good to me. And I've enjoyed every single minute of it, even though there has been some tough times. But you've got to, you've got to have the tough times to have the sweet times. You mentioned FA Cup finals. I think you lost the FA Cup final to Manchester United, didn't you, in 1985, was it? When you won yeah. the league and you won the yeah. Cup Winners' Cup. And as I said earlier, that, that was the year when you were Player of the Year, which is an yeah. enormous accolade. And in fact, in a global award, I think you came fourth. So, I mean, you were that was a, a real sweet spot in your career. When you have the sort of success you had that season, how do you go into your summer holidays? Disappointed because of the defeat in the final of the FA Cup or elated because of the league and the Cup Winners' Cup? <laughs> well, Matthew, that's, it's, a, it's a great question. When I was 22, I'd done my knee ligaments against Everton, funny enough. New Year's Day, when I played for Bolton. I was out a year and I got told I mightn't play again. So everything after that was a massive bonus. We won the league. We won the European Cup Winners' Cup on a Wednesday. Played Manchester United. Kevin Moran got sent off following me. First player to get sent off. Norman Whiteside gets a great goal on his left peg. Even though I still say to Pat Vander now, you've got to show him on the right because Norman is slower than me. I hope he doesn't watch this podcast. But he's slower than me. But... After that, the, the day after, believe it or not, Matthew, I flew out with three or four members of my team, our team, to Mexico to play in a, 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 a competition. Bobby Robson, to, the late great Bobby Robson, had us over there trying to acclimatise to the altitude of Mexico City. So I didn't have time to grieve over it or to, to enjoy it. You were back at not work, you were back playing. So it, it, the rest of the time, so you didn't, you did in fact, because when I come back, you're virtually into pre-season training. It's only as you get on in years and you see things on the television and you look at certain things, you know, winning the FA Cup, if I can just, you know, some, they were great times. But then you realise, wow, 
that would have been a treble, which would have been unique at the time. But I'm, listen, you, 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 if you could take... I don't like getting beat, I've got to say. I, in fact, I hate it. But if you take it and show me a good loser, and I'll show you a loser, but you've got to have a bit of dignity in anything you do. And and I I got, you know, I, Brian Robson is a good pal of mine. Norman, good pal of mine. Kevin Moran, believe it or not, a good pal of mine. So, you know, sometimes you win and sometimes you lose. And it's, it's you look back and you think, oh, I wish you'd have won that, I wish you'd have done this. But, Listen, great career involved in some great games. So you take the rough with the smooth. It's good to see you in that picture you just showed me on the wall with a trophy. I'm curious to know, you mentioned you see things on TV. Do you ever dabble in looking at your past glories on YouTube? Do you ever look, look, look yourself up? And... <laughs> no, no. So, some some uh, get up on Twitter. I'm not... A, I tell you, I got, a, I got a phone call when I was watching a World Cup game of my 12-year-old grandson. Freddie, who doesn't live far away. Grandad, I've just seen you against Maradona. What are you doing? And that, uh, so you can imagine, I know you laugh, you can, uh, do you know how many times I get that? And then my grandson comes after me. So, uh, no, 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 don't bother. I, 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 listen, I, it's a long time ago. Uh, I'm, I'm incredibly honoured to be in, in Everton's history as a, a real good side. Incredibly honoured to play for my country and, and my career, but some certain things made me smile. And that phone call off my grandson was a was was the best. Get how can you get how can you get stick of your grandson? 12 years of age. We've got to talk about that game. It was the quarterfinal <laughs> 1986. Brian Robson was injured. Mm. You were playing Argentina and it was the game in which two extraordinary things happened. Mm. There was the hand of God, yeah, and then there was one of the greatest goals in history. And as you say, you could see on YouTube you chasing after Diego Maradona after he'd put the ball in the net with his hand. There's a clip of you going up to the referee and protesting. Mm. What was it like being part of such a momentous and unforgettable game in history? The good, the bad, and the ugly of it all. Obviously, at the time, you do, you don't realise. You know, I, I mean, we as a, as a squad member, we got beat by Portugal, drew with Morocco, and, and Brian done his shoulder, Brian Robson, and the late great Ray Wilkins got sent off. So Bobby had to change the team. I come in, Trevor Stephen, Steve Hodge, Waddle was injured, Mark Ailey, Peter Beasley come in. So it was a whole different team. We managed to beat Poland, Paraguay, who were a good team. And then this game... At the time, you don't realise what you're involved in. I remember saying after the referee, he was Tunisian. He, he just sold the ball for about three million, and he, 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 in auction. But his scouse wasn't great, so it was a waste <laughs> of time having a chat with him. And um, I thought he was going to blow up when the incident happened. Maradona, Diego Maradona was clever, obviously, but then the the the, the stadium exploded. You know, there was 120,000 on. It just exploded and then we realised he'd give it. So I think me, Glenn Hoddle, Teddy Fennick tried to waste the time. But th then we realised, you know, one down. It was a cagey game. It was a tactical game. It wasn't a good game. Mind you, it was 100 degrees and 8,000 feet up. So it was for the Scouser and uh, us England lads, it was tough. <laughs> but uh, about seven, seven minutes later, 
the, the other goal and what you've got to say. And it does look as though I'm a cat also, got to say, but he was an exceptional footballer. It, it's, it's, as cheating as the first one was, as we, we all know, the second one was pure genius. A, a, a player that has height of his ability, strength, balance, poise, awareness, just a, just a great goal. And I said, like I said before, I still have little dreams about it where, you know, can you get there? It's, I think it's one of them recurring things, you know. I think I'm in the wind, wind tunnel. But it, it, it wasn't to be. And uh, sometimes you think, was it fate? But it, it, it is one of them, what was the iconic football matches? So you, you say that you were honoured to play for your country and you represented England 13 times, Peter. And they were those caps kind of were clustered around that period, weren't they? You played in the European Championships, I think, in 1988. I was in the squad that didn't were, get a game. Yeah. You were in the squad. Yeah. What's it like playing for your country? Well, just describe that because it's something oh. that so many of us grow up dreaming about. Yeah. It's something I would absolutely have loved to have done, whether it had been football, cricket, whatever. You actually did it. And, and you you did it on the biggest stage of all. What just try to explain to don't take it for granted that we kind yeah, of no, understand no, what it's like, Matthew. I wouldn't. And basically, one of the reasons I went on about injuries, you know, ligaments injuries. I broke my leg. I broke my kneecap. I'm not. Hey, listen, I'm I'm not the only one who's had injuries. You know, I had a cartilage out. So my first cap, I played for the under twenty ones with Glenn Hoddle, top players. So you know, so I was sort of. Gonna, you know, but then the injuries put me back. So I was 29 when I got my first cap. So I, I thought I'd missed the boat. And a lot of people don't realize that. So he, as a young player, I, I thought I was going to play for England. And then you get these injuries. So you're going, I've missed the boat, even though I was playing really well for Everton, like you've, you've, you've said, PFA player of the year and whatever, whatever. When I got my first cap at 29, yeah, I think I come on against, I come on a sub against Mexico. It was like, wow, fantastic. And then I was, I was, I was fortunate that, you know, when Brian Robson was unfortunate and Ray Wilkins got sent off to get into the England team then. And in my 13 caps, I played against some good teams, you know, I played against Brazil, Argentina, Germany, um, Romania in a World Cup quality, who had a young lad called Hadji playing. So, you know, that was that was like, I thought I'd missed the boat. So it was like doubly satisfying if you can have that. You know, it was like playing for England at 29 when I thought I wasn't going to. And then, fortunate enough to play in a World Cup. It, it was just, it, it, it was it was mind-blowing. And then you look back and you see, I played against the likes of Bobby Moore. Here's one. You'll love this as well. Can you see that? That's George Best. Incredible. When he was at uh, Fulham. So I played against him. I played against uh, Billy Bremner. I played against Johnny Giles, Alan Ball, Alan Mulry. All these players who, like you think, and and, and there's more, you know, who were, who were at the end of the careers were great players. And I'm on the same pitch as them. And then, and I look back on that when I, you know when I played for Bolton Wonders and playing against some of the, but you know Billy Bremner, Ho Ho Ho, Johnny Jack, some of these players I played against, and you sometimes you have to you you pinch yourself when I, when I realised you know as a young man because you don't re- 
you don't realise you're playing against Bobby Moore, World Cup winner. You want to you want to win and get into him when you play. But when you when you get a little a little bit older, a lot older, you think back and you think, wow, that's that's unbelievable. That you know, unbelievable. Ron Addison, Peter Osgood, people like this, Martin. You played against somebody, somebody. Icons of, of English football, Scottish football, you know, Scottish football as well. It, it was just fantastic. How would you describe yourself as a player? What sort of a player did you see yourself as? Well, you won't believe this. Believe it or not, when I was a young man, I was quite an attacking midfield player. But then with the injuries, I had to adapt my game a little bit. I was, I was, I could pass a ball, I could tackle. And I think I was a real... Well, no, I don't. I'm, I'm doing myself down there. I was a really good reader of the game. Really good. And I could get other people playing. I had a, I had a personality on the park. You know, I could get into people, which um, I think is, is a quality. You know, it, it is a quality. Brian Robson had it. You know, Roy Keane has it. There's, you know, they, they affect people on the park. And I think he had that. Um, the biggest thing, I enjoyed it, and you've got to enjoy it. Could you talk to us about the psychology of self-belief? Because presumably, as a player, as an elite player, you really need to believe in yourself. So, how do you contend with thoughts that maybe if you are playing against Maradona, he might be better than you? I mean, obviously, you're a top, top, top player, mm. but how do you how do you fill yourself with the belief that you can go and do a job? on whoever it is you're up against. At the, same, at the same time, as in part of your mind, you're thinking, well, if I'm totally honest, that that guy you know, one of the, it might, might be one of the few people on the planet who's better than me. Mm. I, that's a great question. Because of these days of sports science and sports psychologists, I was lucky enough. I didn't, I, I, I did, I didn't have anything in my body or my mind that went, he's better than me. I, I didn't have it. And, and don't ask me why. I just did not have it. I'm by the way, I've got two legs. I've got I'm having him today, or I'm trying to have him, and I'm doing my best. And it was it, and whether it's a gift, I don't know, because I understand um players of different sports and even football have a sports psychology, because we're all different. We're all made up different physically, uh mentally, we're all all different. I had, and I don't know whether it, it Misconceived, or I had a belief that wow, no, even if it's Diego Maradona, the great George Best, and he was past his best, he was on the piss in King's Road, and I still couldn't get near him. But I, I had a go, you know what I mean? And I, I just, I just had a, 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 I don't know whether it's an inner mentality, but it, I never went on the park. I went on the park thinking, going to be a tough one today. You know, when I'm playing against Brian Robson in his prime, it's going to be a tough one today. Graham Souness, you know, Steve McMahon, Ronnie Whelan, Jan Moby. It's going to be tough today. Ray Wilkins playing it. Ray, Glenn Oddle. Different, different players, but tough. You know, I, I need to get tied to Glenn Oddle because if I give him time and space, he's going to run the game. But I know against Brian Robson, I'm going to have to be physically... So it's different it challenges you have as a, as, a, as a certainly as a footballer and a midfield player. So talk to us about fear or fearlessness. Did you yeah. ever feel physical fear about coming up against someone? I mean, 
football yeah. in your time was it was it could be really physical, quite confrontational, yeah. couldn't it? And and physical. And part of I play football every week, and part of my identity, as I see it as a footballer, is I'm, I'm definitely not a dirty player, but I'm a strong player, and I don't ever want to take a backward step. But I might occasionally have felt just just an inkling of fear that I then get get on top of. I hope, but fear wasn't part of your DNA, was it? No, I um, funny enough, <laughs> funny enough, I, I was playing manager and I, 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 Man City on my last legs, and we played. I'm sure, it was Sheffield United, and. Vinnie Jones got booked. He done me. He got booked after five seconds, which is fairly quick in a football match. He got sent off in the second half. But if you ask Vinnie, and Vinnie's a great fella. And by the way, he was an odd man, but he got the best out of his ability. And I don't mean that detrimental in any way. You know what I mean? And we have a chat about it now. Now, he was a big, powerful lad. And you ask him, I I never took a backward step against Vinnie Jones. Brian Robson, it, what a, what a, oh, Sunes, dear me. And you know, it, Matt, Matt, you know you're going to like, I'll tell you it was hard as well, Jimmy Case, well, Jimmy Case. But I played against Ron Addis, you know, Chopper Addis, when he was, you know, getting on a bit at Chelsea and I'm a young man. So I was brought up in that environment where you got to look after yourself. And if you're brought up in a place called Heighton, Stephen Gerrard's from Heighton as well, you don't take a bath, backward step sometimes you've got to be intelligent on the park you know and sometimes I got injuries and Brian Robson or you know where I might have gone and been sensible but no you just you just listen if it's there to win it you got to win it could you explain to us how and you touched on this earlier but how you went about getting the best out of others on the pitch and behind the scenes I'm talking as a player here first Peter before we go on to management well, I think I think like anything in team sport, if you I'll sh- if you show me a good dressing room, I'll show you a good team. So it, even though it's on the park, it starts in that dressing room, taking the piss out of each other, having a giggle. No one knew you can bollock. No one knew you can put your arms around. And that and that's the way we were. You know, like if I played it with Andy Gray, you know, big, big, I'll be going. Any chance of you getting hold of this? You know. Football, and he go, oh, shut up. But then I might be, uh, uh, the likes of Trevor Stephen, who was a lovely footballer, a little bit younger than us. Trevor, come on, get up. So different ways, you know, and and I I, 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 had, I could do that with um, with players. And then in me, I learned off people when I went into my managerial career, like a, a guy, my first manager of Bolton, Ian Greaves, Howard Kendall, Bobby Robson, you know, <clears throat> When to give a bollocking to, who I could give a bollocking to, you know, because certain people you can't. So that that's that's hey, sometimes you lose it, don't you run the park? I'm not saying I was a saint. Sometimes you lose it. But I, I never got sent off in my career. I had a few bookings. Mind you, I should have done. You know, if I was playing today, there'd have been a few red cards, I've got to say. But what was it what well, was it like playing for, for Everton when you grew up as a Liverpool? I I knew you were going to say this. I, was, I knew you were going to say this. Um, first of all, a, it, it's a, a professional thing, but when you go to a club like Everton and you have success, and even more now when you look at how, how we're doing at the moment, it's it's tough. But when you when you win things at a club and and you have 
the time I had there, money can't buy. You know, money can't buy. And uh, I just look at it. And once, you, once you're in there, the football club and get involved with the fans and the whole DNA, the, the roots, the structure, it gets to you. So, and I've got huge respect uh, for Liverpool because I used to stand on the cop, you know, with me, with, with me, me arm fella. But does it, when you look at Rushi, Fowler, Carragher, Stevie J, you look at uh, Mac Manaman, um, Michael Oak, they're all blues as kids. As kids, so it's it swings in roundabouts, isn't it? Swings in roundabouts, and and Rushi, uh, Kenny Dalglish, big pals. I mean, I, I see Rushi socially, and he's he's a great character, um, and we still go on about when he beat his three one in the FA Cup, and he 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 fouls me. If it was VAR now, he'd be done. Let me tell you, because he whips me up on it. I think it's the second door tear goal. So listen, you, you, it's uh, it's it's just great game to be involved in. When you talk about Everton, you you use the word we. Are mm. you are you now an Everton fan? How does it work, Pete? Because you, I mean, you yeah. played for Bolton as you said for a while. You played for Everton. You played for QPR. You played for other teams. You managed Man City and played for them. You you managed Sunderland. I mean, how do you after you finish the playing? And mm. and after you finish managing, and and by the way, as part of this question, you can tell me whether you might ever go back into managing. But but how do you decide who you support? Ah, that's a, that's a that's a good. Funny enough, recently I've been to Manchester City to watch them in the Carabao Cup against Liverpool. Brilliant! Look after me, player manager. Played over hundred games for Man City. A lot of people don't realise that. You know, Bolton Wanderers. I was at the the game against. Plymouth, who had managed uh, recently, it was nil nil. It was the best game we've seen all season. And uh, uh, director Trevor East, who used to work for Sky, invited me and Sir Alex Ferguson. So you know, I, I've got an affinity with Bolton. I still live in Bolton, in Atherton, just outside Bolton. I could get to the stadium in ten minutes on the motorway. So that um, I go to watch Wigan, where they had a consultancy there. Uh, Southampton, I only played seven games for Southampton. QPR, Les Ferdinand, great. So it's it's football's like a, a family, and once you've you've played, they tend to to look after you. And and if I go to Anfield and 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 like you know what they're like with me, I get playing. They're absolutely brilliant with me. They they are the brilliant. If I go to Old Trafford, I was at Old Trafford for the Manchester derby. Absolutely fantastic, even though. The competitive, the competitiveness is still there because that first goal, uh, or the equaliser, Manchester United's equaliser. Well, dear me, in a million years, if if Rashford's not interfering, I might well, I might well finish the interview and we go home now. But there you go, that's that's footy. That's why we, that's why we have a bevy in the pubs and still talk about it. You, you haven't answered either of the questions that were wrapped up in one. I told we were on politics. <laughs> <laughs> come back to we'll come to politics. I told you who do you support who do you support now? Everton. And, oh, and will you Everton. Go, okay? And will you yeah. go back into management? Um I would I, I think management has bypassed me. Um, you know, even though that you know Mick McCarthy's just gone in. Um, but I'd, I'd definitely go in some t- consultant, help a, a younger coach, something like that. Yeah, I wouldn't be adverse to that because I've still got, a, still got a passion about the game. And the game has changed, but the basics don't change. You know, if you if you haven't got that football, you go and get it back. 
And if you've got it, take care of it. You mentioned the Fernandes, the Bruno Fernandes equaliser for United against yeah. City the other day. Now I'm a United fan. So <laughs> I, I have to say, I was very pleased. By the way, go, go ahead. I mean, if I'm a Man United fan, I take... I, 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 I was pleased with it, but I have to say I agree with you. I, I cannot see how he wasn't interfering with play. So it leads me to this question. What do you make of VAR? Has it improved the game? Simple terms, has it improved the game? I think certain things, the offside. But the thing I don't like, I was at the Manchester United and Everton FA Cup game. And it's gone through an Everton equaliser. No one, we're all like idiots. And then when it comes to VAR, off. If, if, if you're at the ground, you've got to hear what they're saying. I agree. If you're a supporter and you pay your dough, and you're there and you go, oh, yeah, whoa, whoa, what, what's happening? And by the way, there's a geezer. I'm, I'm, in, I'm, in, I'm on my couch here watching in my 84-inch telly. I know what's going on. And you don't at the ground. Ridiculous. So they've got to get that right. You've got to get, we've got to hear what the referees are saying. It's got to come, the, the systems in, in all of the grounds, even even like uh, all of the Premier League grounds, they're there. The, the supporters have got to know what's going on. VAR then, yeah. And and by the way, I mightn't agree with certain things. Certain, I, I didn't agree with that goal. Uh, to put put the record straight, when when Manchester City, Everton, uh, and Ball, they, they, they didn't give a pen last season. So there's some, some ones have gone, how does he come to that decision? But, like I said before, we're still having the same conversations. I had 20 years ago in the pub after games, what I played in. We're still having the same decision now, you know. Am I right that you were transferred, tell me if I'm wrong, that you were transferred to Everton from Bolton for £60,000? Yes, I, I I was going, when they come back for me, injury, I could have gone to Wolves, Arsenal and Everton in 80, I think, for 600. So I had another couple of injuries after that and ended up going up to Everton, Howard Kendall. Um, I was I was going to sign for Sheffield Wednesday, Jack Charlton, and then I would Kendall run me, get down here, fail the medical with me knee, and I would said we're going to do it. And um, to cut a long story short, I was that happy about signing for Everton. I had dinner that night and got legless, but I was training the next day. I shouldn't have gone in the car. So well, shower, eye drops in, cold shower, gets to the. Training ground, Asian eats there, used to teammate, and he goes, God, you stink of ale. I said, Oh, I was out. So I went, I went in the shower again, went out and trained. Matthew, I'm useless. I can't see the ball. It's bouncing off me. The lads are looking around, who have we got? And it was embarrassing. And at the end, we had a run. I run with the manager, our Kendall said, You run with me. That's, I was that bad. And in these doggies, he, he lapped me three times. It was embarrassing. So I get in the dressing room. I thought, I've got to go and see him. But Colin Harvey, who was assisted, said, he wants to see you. So I went and seen him. Before he said anything, I said he apologised, told him the story. And Howard was a great man, man. He, he looked at me and he goes, he was in the bath. He looked at me and he goes, do you like a drink, lad? And I looked down and I went, yes, Gaffer. And he went, you've got a great chance at this football club. Go. And he didn't say go. So I, I thought, but what that is, great man management. He knew I'd let myself down and him down in a training session. But he knew I he knew I wouldn't do it again. 
And that learned me. That's great, man management. He's, he's, he's done me, but he's gone. Not again. And, and I, I, I always took that in now. The reason I asked about the 60 grand is because clearly there is vastly more money in football today yes. than there was when you started out. And I wonder whether you think that's a good thing, a bad thing, whether you're indifferent to it. I mean, I was down a couple of nights ago at Sellers Park for the first time to watch United play Palace. Great old ground. What a wonderful ground it seemed to me. I mean, there was a green bank where people yeah. could have a drink or whatever between the stands. Yeah. Time. And, and the difference between Sellers Park and, say, the Tottenham ground or the Arsenal yeah. ground, fantastic grounds, of course, but just like chalk and cheese. So <laughs> what do you make of the money that's now infused in football? Well, listen, you know, when I, when I was a, a player, a young player, Warburton's Bakery owned Bolton Wanderers, Sir John Moore's owned Everton. Wealthy guys, but... The states now, isn't it? States own football clubs. The the Premier League is a global brand. It's progress. I was manager of Sunderland Football Club, which is a great football club. When they moved from Roker Park to the Stadium Light, and Roker Park, I played at Roker Park when there was fifty thousand people on. Great atmosphere, and when we went to the Stadium Light, it was magnificent. But there was something special about. Roker Park and Bairndon Park when I played there. Main Road. That, the new stadiums are, are brilliant corporate. They're brilliant. Great to watch seats. But there's something... What's the word? That, there's a soul. There's a there's a, a nostalgia about the old grounds that I think are fantastic. You know, it, it, even though progress... Everton, Everton are building new ground. Goodison Park is one of the most iconic stadiums you'll ever visit you know it's the old lady she's beautiful but progress you know we all have our days don't we i'd be still playing now wouldn't i if, if it fits we all have our days we all have our shape like it's a shame but there is something magic about ivory white art lane i played in them grounds they were brilliant you know and we I'd love to play. I'd love to be a young man playing at these grounds, but there was something special about them. Oh, old Wembley, old Wembley. That walk when you come up the tunnel and walk over that sand—that was the best walk in football. How still? What's it like being a pundit? You're a, <laughs> a, you a BBC pundit for the World Cup 2006. Yeah. yeah. Do you do, do you do you enjoy that? Do you enjoy being part of the game? I, 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 sort of giving your views, giving your thoughts on things. The thing about football, and like I could go to a game with you, and we might see a different game, and that's that, that, that's the beauty of it. It's so if people want to ask your opinions, uh, yes, go ahead with it. I think um, it's it's it's. I enjoy. I, I be at the football match any anyway. So if somebody wants to to hear what I've got to say about it, yeah, I, I ain't got a problem with that. And uh, sometimes you're right, sometimes you're wrong. I mean, Alan Anson, who was a great pundit, says, "How how do you win the Premiership with kids?" And Manchester United won it, you know. But that's you stick your ne- neck out. And listen, I've been wrong about loads of things in football, but majority you get right. But it's. I think people enjoy it. I mean, Keno has a goal, doesn't he? He, he? he says it how it is. I quite like it from my era, Sunes, you know, it's, it's got it's, and 
I think I think sometimes as well as football's a, a really tough business and it's you know if you lose a couple of games as a manager you're out if you you know you have play but there's still got to be humour and I like that if you can bring humour into the serious side of the game as well so it's getting that balance. We've touched on your early years but only very briefly in passing. Tell us a little bit more about your childhood. Give us a, a bit of a sense of what, what it was like for you growing up. <laughs> um, I was born in Sefton General, which is um, quite affluent part of Liverpool, really. And then me, me, we lived in the attic of my grandparents' house in a place called Page Moss, just on the outskirts of Liverpool, Heighton. Um, and I only... <laughs> my mum would kill me here. But I found out on the, on the silver uh, wedding anniversary that they got married in the February 14th, Romantic. And my birthday was June the 20th. And the Roman Catholics, so they had to get married. So that was the only... And I, 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 I gave my mum some stick in, me, in a speech. I mean, they laughed their heads off, to be fair. But obviously... And then <clears throat> another two brothers were born and we lived in one room. So... And then we, we, I think I was about, yeah, I was about five. I'd just been going to St. Dominic's and we moved out, further out into Highton called a place called Mosscroft Estate. And we had our own council house. You know, it, it, it was a terrace one middle in Gloucester Road. And it was like a castle. It was brilliant. It was like, and, and it's, a, it, it's a real, Working class here. I, I think Harold Wilson was our constituent who was the Prime Minister. Uh, well, he was, yeah, I know. Um, so that's how I get taught to me some of my values. But very warm, um, very warm household. My dad liked a bet and a, a drink in his footy, obviously. But it, it was a great area. Football mad. Tough, but really fair. Um and I, I school there, and at eleven, I, I took eleven plus. But them days, the grammar schools, and I'm not saying I'd have passed the eleven plus. But them days, the grammar schools didn't play football, so there's no way I was gonna pass me eleven plus because I was going to play at Saint Augustine's, and that's what I did. And I was fortunate enough to be good at footy. And I got in Heighton Boys team. Now, Heighton Boys team in 1971 are the only town team ever to win the English Schools Trophy. And I was part of it. And our coach was a teacher called Alan Bleasdale, who's still a big friend of mine now. So um, we had a reunion not so long ago. It was brilliant seeing the lads. And the other coach was a lad called another ex-teacher, but he was an ex-professional footballer called Eddie Kilshaw, who played for Berry and Sheffield Wednesday and had to finish with an injury. So even as a young schoolboy, I really had a good grounding on me football. Me fella was good as well. Me fella, you know, gave me some great advice. What Always remember me dad giving me, if someone kicks you, don't roll around. Don't let them know you're injured. Get them back. And I've always had that philosophy in me football. But just great area, you know, um, three brothers, I'm the eldest. Then our Michael, our Gary, who's down London. Our Michael's a teacher. Our Carol, uh, my only sister. And my younger brother, Sean, 
who went on to become a, a professional footballer, played at Rochdale, York. And um, funny enough, Matthew, my last ever professional game was for Berry against Rochdale. And Ash Young was in the team. And my mum and dad were in the stands. What a way to end your career. Do you think that your ability as a player was more down to your genes or to Ooh. the amount of time you spent playing, the environment you grew up in, the opportunities you had or didn't have? Have you thought about that? And, and yeah. I, I have thought about that because imagine I'd have been bo- brought up in Switzerland would have been a skier. It's, I just, as as long as I can remember, when I lived in um, Page Moss, Wimborne Road, I remember playing in the little alleyway, the little ginnel. I remember, I can remember, I can remember vividly be like playing with a little ball and a bigger ball that I couldn't really handle. And I remember playing from such a, and whether I got a touch then, I don't know because um, I think you've got to work at things, you know, your touches. I think there is a bit of natural because I'm, I wasn't a bad cricketer, you know, so I think there's a bit of coordination between the ball and the eyes because I could play me cricket. I played baseball for Liverpool as well, that baseball. And, um, you know, I was not I was a good runner, stamina-wise. I don't think I was the quickest. Um, but I just think everything evolved into one. But definitely... Playing as a kid, playing on 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 the road because there wasn't many cars about the day. Mate, I I I sound ancient here, but there wasn't many roads. I could, I could go and play footy in the streets, and 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 that's one of the things. Now we've got to get grassroots going for these young kids who have to pay in certain instances to play football. I played for free because there was areas I could play on no traffic. These kids nowadays. You can't get a ball and two two coats or two jumpers down and have a game of footy, and 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 so we need to look after that. But that I can remember, I, I, and they were great times. I loved it. I loved playing out in the streets. My mum, yeah. my mum wasn't so happy with my shoes because we we weren't we were skimp members in them days, and it was tough for them. You mentioned that you might have got some of your values from mm. Harold Wilson, L- Labour Prime Minister. As I said at the beginning of the interview, I've kind of got to know you a bit through Twitter, really, and and your expression of your politics, which I think you do either largely or exclusively through retweeting other people, Mm. which makes clear where you're coming from. Mm. Talk to us just a little bit about your politics and why you seem passionate about it. Well, first of all, I think it's um, your family, your mother and father. I mean, listen, there's, there's a big world out there. And, uh, and even this country, and then people say you got to look after your own. What is your own? Your own. We're all we're all the same. We all piss in the same pot. You know, we're all the same. So I've had them values, and I think I think Labour certainly have them values more than certain other parties. I don't even mention their name, but there you go. Um, and even nowadays, I think. Um, some of the uh, the policies and over the last 13 years, they go on about austerity because uh, Labour left no money. There was a, there was a worldwide banking crisis because these bankers were letting people borrow beyond the means. It's bound to... I mean, even now, if I go to an ice cream van and I've got a fiver, I'm not going to spend a tenner. So don't, don't get me all that 
they, they tried to they tried to um, brainwash you with oh Labour left no money, absolute rubbish. We all know, we all know. Austerity was a p- political decision. There's ways to come out of it, um, and it just saddens me that uh, people don't want to look after. I mean, we clap for nurses during the pandemic. We clap for them. Inflation's gone up because of the war, whatever. We can still afford to pay for them. We we afforded uh, the testing the test the testing trace that didn't work thirty six billion PPE you know VIP lanes it's that how can you have a money making which I think a money making operation through a pandemic I think that's the lowest of the low and and basically I think hey listen I've got a few quid I've got a big house I'm I'm, I'm fortunate but. I, I, I passionately believe that there's enough money out there. And, and by the way, the entrepreneurs who make money, yeah, yeah, let them, let them have a good... Look after people who these entrepreneurs employ to make their wealth. There's, there's got to be a, a better distribution. I hope... I mean, that's basically the way I see it. A fairer distribution of wealth. I just want to return briefly to football because we talked earlier about how you got the best out of people or tried to get the best out of people as a player. What about as a manager? How did you see yourself as a manager? You you won promotion. You you finished pretty high up in the Premier League a few times. What sort of a manager were you? And had being a player helped you, not, not just in understanding the game technically, but also in terms of motivating other human beings? I think I think um, I said before. I think a great dressing room helps, you know. And um, when I first went into it as Man City manager, I was only young. There was a few of us who did it. One of Brian Robson, Ray Wilkins, Glenn Oddle, player managers, Sooness, Kenny, Kenny. You know, we we're all you know player managers, and you couldn't do it nowadays. Uh, there's too much. Um, for the manager to do now, you know, so many aspects of the game. But I, I certainly, I liked having a good dressing room. I, I tried to, pretty basic and, you know, tactics. Sometimes, if you, if I was a manager and playing Man United, you can't go toe-to-toe with them. You you want to stop them playing, but you've always got to have a threat. And that's it. And I always... I I always try to instil that on, on players. I mean, there's, there's a, few, a few... Not Premier Passions, there's a few um, clips of me getting into young players... Uh, I think it was an Arsenal game where young Bridges, Michael Bridges, only 17, 18, Craig Russell, and they're playing against, I think it was Keown and Tony Adams, and it's nil-nil at half-time, and I'm getting into them. Now, the only reason I got into them, I thought they were a little bit apprehensive playing against quality players, so I wanted to get into them. And it, it wasn't one of them where you could just, put your arms around them. And uh, I, I speak to the two lads about it, you know, because we have a laugh. And we ended up winning the game 1-0. But it, and afterwards I got them and I said, that's what you're like. You can go and take anybody on. So there's certain um, instances where, you, you, you know, you, you get into players. And on that programme, Premier Passions, it shows me kicking off in the dressing room every time. But that's good TV. I wasn't like that all the time. It was, it was like Fergie calls it the air dryer, doesn't he? The, the air dryer comes out every now and then, but not if you if you get the air dryer out every game, the air dryer is going to break. You can't do that every occasion. 
you'd have the air there, but more and more you've just got to try and be specific with players and, and pick out certain points. Yeah, I can't remember. Was it Fergie or who, who talked about the hairdryer or was it one of his players? It might have been one of his players, I don't know. But he's always I always I I'm always there. I I relate that to Alex, said Alex. I just want to ask you about the lows as well, because we talked about the huge success you've experienced. Yeah. What about, but you mentioned that, that there were some lows towards the beginning of our, our chat. How do you look back at your career and what's it like when you're sacked as a manager? Because you know managers get <laughs> sacked so frequently, don't they? How do you as a winner, how do you, as someone who's so passionate about winning and so passionate about the game, so passionate about what you do. How do you cope with those difficult times? How do you move on from them positively? Well, you won't believe this. I think managers have a shelf life. And Alex Ferguson was unbelievable at Manchester United. I was playing. I was playing manager at City when he started. By the way, Alex nearly went. He had five years. You don't get that now. So, you, and you, you and, finished above Man United. Yeah, you, yeah, in first, one of your seasons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was. But you know, and and this is not, I'm trying to put this in perspective. You know, when you're a young player, 21, and the specialist tells you you might not ever play again, getting sacked as a football manager is nothing, and I mean that because invariably, and and this isn't great. You know, your contracts paid, but as a manager, as a manager, you coach. And I had seven and a half years at Sunderland. Magnificent. He had three years. They, you know, I went into Leeds. It was a tough time. So, invariably, that's going to happen. I mean, Alex Ferguson got sacked in Scotland. I think St. Mary. You know, I think I think when you go into management, you programme yourself to think it's a, it's going to be a fact of life. So, it's, it's not failure. It's just you've got caught up. You're caught up. In whatever, you know, certain managers get the sack because new owners come in. But when you put it in perspective, when I'm a young man, told them never play again, when I'm 40-odd and the chairman says, time for you to go, Peter. I had to walk in the park to what happened when I was 21. And I got over that when I was 21. So I'm going to get over getting sacked at a football club. This has been enormous fun, Peter. Final <laughs> quest, Final question for you. Talk to us about your passions outside of football. Talk to us about your maybe a special skill that you have that we don't, that we don't, <laughs> know, that we don't know about. Give us a sense of what Peter Reid is like outside of the, the game. Oh, I, mean, I, I bumped into you, by the way, at a, a party yes, not yes. so long ago. And, and I, I thought, oh, crikey, I thought I wouldn't mess with Peter. I mean, not that I go around <laughs> messing with people. But you, you know, you're not as tall as me by any means, but you look like you really look so I, strong I, and I, like you can look after yourself. <laughs> Well, that evening I enjoyed. I enjoy people. I enjoy and and different different. Listen, I've I've gone on about uh, people who've got different politics than me. That's what makes the world go round. I don't agree with them, but I understand. You know, we're in a democracy. Well, well, are we? But we we are. So everyone's got. But I enjoy people. I love cricket. I love the social about cricket. I just think it's amazing. I love meet me mates. I love going out with my family. I love having a glass of red. I love having a glass of whiskey. I'm sat at my bar. I just, life's great. For me, life's great. And 
I, be, I go on picket lines, I got pals, I, I support the nurses and the strikes, support the, the, the RMT, you know, I want people to be better. If I can help in any way, I do a lot of, I do charity work. I just love life. I love getting involved with life. I'm in London for a couple of days next week. I'll be meeting up with Gary Lineker, Andy Gray will be over. I'll have a few shandies with them. I watched, I watched the game last night on the telly. Uh, Manchester City and Tottenham. It was a great game. What a game that was. I mean, Tottenham spent some of the season coming from behind. Yeah. And now then... <laughs> they go two goals up and lose 4 2. Well, I, I'm like it. I'm, I'm like watching this game and I'm thinking, oh, the defendants, oh, poor defending. You're giving that. But entertainment. And that's what we're here for to enjoy ourselves. Peter Reed, it's been a real pleasure speaking to you and asking you for my 20 questions. Thank you so much. Matthew, it's been great. Hopefully we catch up in London.